beginning at the Mount of Olives, the place where the prophet Zechariah promised God would send the Messiah to deliver the people of God from their enemies and occupiers, Jesus began his triumphant procession into the seed of the regions, political and religious power. Jesus had been making this journey, stopping in town after town along the way, teaching, preaching, and revealing that in and through him the kingdom of God was present. The disciples following along had been accustomed to seeing miracles and healings along the way. But ever since Jesus turned and faced towards Jerusalem, the focus, Jesus' focus, was on the kingdom of God. Every year around this time, Jerusalem would fill to capacity with Jewish pilgrims gathering for the Passover festival. They would recall how they were once under the rule of a different empire and how God had sent someone to save them. Throughout the week, shouts of Hosanna and save us, quoting Psalm 118, would be heard throughout the city. And this created the potential for a flashpoint. In recalling how God had delivered them from one conquering empire, Israel worried their new conquerors, the Roman Empire, so much so that the Roman governor of the region, Pontius Pilate, would flex the might and power of the empire by entering Jerusalem from his seaport home in the west, opposite the Mount of Olives. Remember, the Mount of Olives is the spot Zechariah had foretold that the Messiah would gather his forces taking back Jerusalem, the spot where Jesus' Palm Sunday journey began. As Pilate and the Roman army assembled their gaudy, yet unmistakable display of power for their entrance into Jerusalem, Jesus had instructed his followers to prepare for their own entrance into the city for the Passover festival. Jesus told two disciples, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks to you, why are you doing this? Just say this. The Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. These two disciples did as they were told and procured the underwhelming colt, or donkey, for Jesus to make his empire overthrowing entrance into Jerusalem. Jesus had called the disciples away from the security of their families and paying jobs. As they followed him, they had been witness to healings, feedings, miracles, and they saw with their own eyes the power of the kingdom Jesus had promised them. The church has, like the disciples, looked to the healings, feedings, and miracles of Jesus ahead of his teachings, which often lead us, like the disciples, looking to the power of the kingdom of God, not expecting the final procession to be on the back of a borrowed colt. This must not have been the beginning of the climactic end to the story that the disciples envisioned. Teacher of preachers Thomas Long suspects that though Mark does not explicitly name the two disciples assigned to donkey duty, that the two disciples sent to procure Jesus' backyard chariot may have been James and John, 
You see, James and John were the two disciples who had just a few hours earlier requested special seating in Jesus' kingdom at his right and left hand in his glory. Jesus is preparing for a confrontation with the principalities and powers of this world, a moment of vindication for his disciples for sure. And these two disciples, in this mighty moment, were not sent to find a war horse and chariot, were arming themselves to fight alongside the soon-to-be-conquering Messiah. No, they were dispatched, perhaps being humbled along the way, to procure the most humble of transportation for Jesus. Along their journey with Jesus, the disciples had been told exactly what the kingdom of God would be like. And never once did Jesus detail or outline a kingdom that would be able to go toe-to-toe with the might of the Roman Empire. My mentor, Bishop Will Willimon, likes to point out that while many of the disciples expected that as the crowds grew and the teachings and preaching of Jesus took root, perhaps with the nudging of the Holy Spirit, that the powers of the world, Caesar, would recognize Jesus' authority and yield to the kingdom of God. But this triumphal procession that was to begin the reordering of the world began with two disciples being sent to wheel and deal with a local donkey dealer. A humble way for the Savior of the world to take his reign. Such is the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul wrote, That to be a disciple of Jesus, we, each of us, like the original twelve, should let the same mind be in us that was in Jesus Christ. That is, as Paul continues, being like Jesus, who humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The cross. The cross is ultimately where the Palm Sunday procession will lead Jesus while the might and power of Pilate's procession would lead to the seed of power of Jesus. The donkey-riding Savior would ultimately end up being put to death. Jesus is making clear that he is not the messianic king the Hosanna-shouting crowds expected. There would be no violent overthrow of the Roman Empire. His disciples still, even after this parade, They didn't get it, so much so that Peter would bring a sword with him to Gethsemane. Jesus entering Jerusalem on his borrowed burrow, opposite Pilate, in the might of the Roman Empire, is a modern-day equivalent to borrowing a 1976 Ford Fiesta and entering D.C. opposite a presidential motorcade entering the city from Joint Base Andrews. And yes, throughout the Gospels, and affirmed by St. Paul, this is exactly the manner by which God will upend the principalities and powers that stand opposite the kingdom of God. Paul continued in his letter to the Philippians, Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the very name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. The good news of the gospel. Just three verses. To be of the same mind as Christ. To build a life that does not fall into the fallacy of thinking six weeks of Lenten intentionality and introspection 
are enough for a lifetime of discipleship means that we look to both the teachings and actions of Jesus, as suggested by St. Paul, as we see this clearly on Palm Sunday, when Jesus is humble, obedient, and still to be exalted by God. Life as a disciple of Jesus begins as John the Baptist did, and our two unnamed, potentially glory-seeking disciples continued, preparing the way for Jesus, preparing the way of the Lord. Will Willimon likes to point out that we, disciples of Jesus, are not the Messiah. Yeah, Will, duh. We're not even close. And yet, the mission and the ministry of Jesus' church rests in our hands. 2,000 years later, we are the ones with a little bit of help from the real presence of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, sent to procure the cult and prepare the way for the Messiah's triumphant return, preparing for that moment when the principalities and powers of this world will yield, bowing and acknowledging the reign of God in Christ. As we enter Holy Week, it will be the disciples who, after securing a humble Rental donkey for Palm Sunday will secure the room required for Jesus' Last Supper. For generations, disciples have been doing the mundane, unremarkable tasks of the church. Tasks that often go overlooked. Taking groceries to someone with pre-existing health conditions too precarious to be out and about in a pandemic. Calling someone in need of prayer. Learning to use Zoom to teach Sunday school. I could go on. These things are not done for fanfare or glorification. These are the things that have got to be done to, like the disciples and John the Baptist, prepare the way of the Lord. At its best, this is what we do. Humbly, obediently preparing the way of the Lord so that the Lord may be exalted. And yet, when we miss the mark, asking for a seat at Jesus' right or left hand, abandoning him as he is arrested, or fleeing to a nondescript room after his death. The tomb will still be empty, and the Lord Jesus still exalted. I offer it to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.